Well, I had to call it something. Yeah, I guess you did. It's like while we're talking. Okay. Good. Are we recording? I'll just make sure that everywhere Calvin goes, I'll just keep me between, yeah. <laughs> between me and the camera. Make sure you get your good side. <laughs> there, there ain't no good side. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to make me cough all day, uh. aren't you? Yeah, keep all your germs over there. Mm-hmm. Over there. Over there. Okay. Yeah. They're over there. Not to worry. I don't want them jumping. Are we ready to start? Ah. Uh, it's mostly because my sinuses are draining. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh. Too much info. Oh, but but what it does for the voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting that Barry White thing going on. <laughs> You want to do a countdown? You know, you didn't. Ha- you you haven't done a countdown for like the last three shows. Please don't count down. Huh? It's a waste of time. Just start. Oh, we have to have a countdown. It's like our thing. No, it's not. So it, be- it became our thing because Jessica started doing it. Yeah. It's not streamlined. Cut it. Here's me not disagreeing with Calvin. Okay. Okay. What? You don't have to count down. You just start by live from <laughs> solitary confinement cell block 12 in Leavenworth Penitentiary. This is Stamp Show here today. I think you should just keep that. That was good. <laughs> Episode 156. I am going to keep that one. Yeah, I think you should keep that one. That was good. I'm Cash. Communism's fall shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. There were lots of red flags. I'm Scott. Did you know that art critics make the worst art critics? (laughs) (laughs) This is Tom. Everybody has the power to make people happy. Some by entering a room, others by leaving it. Oh, yeah. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. John C. threw down the gauntlet on me. He said Dawn should preface her artistic comments on stamp designs by saying, I'm a bookkeeper. Please take that into consideration. John took umbrage on my comment on the 1812 flag stamp design. Is umbrage a word? I think umbrage is a word. Mm. No, I heard coughing out there. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe it was Denny back at his desk. I'm maybe paranoid. I'm paranoid. I don't want this plague thing going around. No, you definitely don't. I had it mm-hmm. in like October. Uh. He just got over it last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feels that way some days. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Nothing to see here. <laughs> also, yes, we are professional podcasters who make several dollars per year. I guess they're not up to our extremely high quality of broadcasting and sometimes don't talk into the microphones. Yeah, John uh, made a comment that, uh, and obviously the listeners can't see this, but my job as the producer is like 25% writing the script and 75% making sure that our guests talk into the microphone. So when you hear people not talking into the microphone, it's Cash's fault. It's all Cash's That's right. Fault. Live with it. That's good. I prefer that I blame him instead of blaming the engineer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the engineer can only control so many things. True. Today we're discussing five things people screw up when reading the Scott's Catalog. And just for uh, information, Scott's Catalog is not mine. 
is not <laughs> not Scott's actual catalog. Printed by Amos, uh, the compre- should we say the comprehensive? It's the standard catalog used in the United States. Well, I'd say it's used for by more than just the United States, but well, it is, but it's primarily. I mean, most countries have their own specialized catalog. They do the specialized catalog for the United States. They also do a worldwide catalog, though. Mm-hmm. Let's preface it, Scott. You went to a seminar by Mr. Kletzel. Oh, this yeah. A couple of years ago, I went to an APS on the road course about how to read the catalog. And not that I felt that I needed to go, uh, but I, I thought it would be interesting to see what his point of view was on uh, some of the some of the issues that I generally see with collectors and dealers uh, misreading the catalog. Why don't you tell people who Mr. Kletzel is? Mr. Kletzel is the editor for the U.S. section of the Scott catalogs. He does specifically the specialized catalog for United States stamps. And he used to be the editor for all of the catalogs. Now he's retired, well, semi-retired. He only does the U.S. now. So suffice it to say, a very, very big guy, big name in the catalog industry. He should know how to read the catalog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he's telling, well, I, I have the first one. I'll name number one. And uh, this is something that it took a while for me to realize this, but when they list perf gauges, if they say it's perf 10 by perf 11, the first number is always the top and the second number is always the sides. And I had a problem, you know, up until a couple of years ago, it's like, oh, it's perf 10 by 11. Which side is perf 11? Is it the top or, and then, you know, you measure it and it's like, well, it's perf 10 stamps, so it doesn't match any of them. And then you sort of have a uh, fit and try to figure out what this stamp is. But that's my number one, that uh, perforations, when they're listed, first number is top, second number is side. Ah, okay. Who's got number two? I'll take number two. Because number two, having having used to answer the phones at PSE for a long, 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 long time, this was a constant for me, which is the design number listed in the catalog is not the Scott number of the stamp. For instance, design A140 is the Washington series of stamps. Several denominations and more than enough varieties to fill its own catalog, I would say, I'll at times. You, yeah, you- does have so, so but you get a, you get a lot of people that aren't collectors and they get a hold of the catalog and they say oh there's my stamp it's a140 I'm like <laughs> okay what's the denomination two cent oh man <laughs> here we go <laughs> well a person called us again today about a 594 they have a 594 they want to submit to auction Okay. And I said... Uh, and of it, course, the auction won't take it without a certificate. Exactly. And I said, well, send me a picture of it. Let's let's take a look at this 594. For all of our uninformed listeners, 594 is? Is a stamp that if it's real, you can buy a house. And 99.9999% of the time, they misidentify it. It's uh, a common stamp, which is worth 35 cents in the catalog, which we did... That's, which in reality is probably worth 5 cents which or it, less. Well, is... In reality, probably worth zero. Anything that's thirty-five cents 
is only well. Why don't Why don't we make that one of the uh, Why don't we change this the number uh, the six things the six problems and we'll talk about that one as number six. <laughs> well, we'll just we'll just have six in our list of five. Oh, that's it. That makes sense. Bonus. Because that'll be number F. Because yeah. <laughs> because we're not bean counters. Ah, oh, yeah. Hey. So we're not. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually uh, sorry, actually, that was unintentional. Actually, two, of, two of us are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we were also talking about the design numbers. Um, if you wanted to have a U.S. collection and just forget about the varieties, you could actually have a design number collection, where at that point you only need. One 1851 to 1857, one cent value. You don't have to worry about whether it's a number five, number six, number seven, number eight. Or number 24. Or number 24, number 23, number 22, number 21. Or a number 8A or a 6A or a 6B or a 5A. And this is all, these are all stamps that look the same. Yes, except some have perforations. Yeah. Well, they look the same to the most... Uh, untrained eye. So let's say that all those numbers look like two stamps. It either has bumps on the side or it doesn't. <laughs> so who's number three? Oh, I guess that would be me. Um, well, here's a pet peeve. Um, somebody submits a stamp from a booklet pane, and a good example would be from like a 1917 AEF pane, mm-hmm. where they are they're desirable. And, they and want, they're differentiable. And you, you can tell what they are. Right. And if you know how, you can yeah. tell how. Tell them apart. But uh, they want to give it the catalog number for the entire booklet pane. Right. I think instead that's of for a 599J. That would be 499H. I'm sorry. H. 499H. I was only off by 101 <coughs> letters. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, 498 or 499, well, no, I take that back, E and F. F, F is the uh, AEF pain. Oh, okay. Um, the listing with the letter is for the entire pain. Mm-hmm. If you have a single from that pain, it goes back up to the major number listing of 499 or 498. And then you say, specifically, this is from a booklet. It's a booklet single from this pain you don't have an entire pain mm-hmm. so you don't have 499f you have a 499 booklet single from an AEF booklet pain yeah i had a this was a conversation we got that whole, a, that whole thing sounds like a pain <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it we, is we got a phone call from a person here at pse who said uh you know you put the wrong number on it yes this, this is not a 499 this is a 499f and i had to you know, I, I spent time on it. I said, um, four nine, pull out your Scott's catalog. Look at 499F. 499F is a two-cent booklet pane of 30. This is not... This is a single stamp. A booklet pane of 30. This is a single stamp. And he said, well, yeah, but it's the same number. And I go, no, it's not. Look at the catalog. The catalog is very specific. And that's another thing. The catalog is meant to be really super specific. Absolutely. So a 499F is a booklet pane of 30 stamps. Now, if somebody removed one of the stamps, 
it would technically sort of be a 499F still without a stamp on it or, you know. With one could, stamp missing. With what you would say 499F, one stamp missing. <coughs> or a 499 block of 20. Yeah. From an AEF booklet paint. <laughs> but you couldn't say uh, if you had a single, a used single, and this one was on a postcard, used single on a postcard, it would be 499F missing 29 <laughs> stamps. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I want to. I'd like to bring up another thing about booklet paints too, is exploded versus unexploded. Uh, that would be booklets, not booklet paints. Oh well, booklets paint booklet paints come in booklets. And well, so, what is an unexploded? I, I have a side note to add, kind of in between where you're going with that and what I've already got. So, in addition to that, when you're collecting an entire booklet pane. You have to have the selvage if it came with selvage. So uh, a lot of times in the older panes, they were or booklets, they were stapled together, and there's a little tab there on the end that has the staple holes still in it. And if you just rip the booklet pane out of the booklet, like a normal person who would who is actually who is using, using it. them, then you no longer have this extra tab on there and the booklet panes priced in the catalog are priced with the tab, mm-hmm. not without. Um, you most frequently see them without the tab uh, used for the older ones and then unused for the ones that are actually glued together and they look crappy. They're difficult to separate, but uh, you know, damage to the tab should be minimal but is uh, okay uh, if it was glued together. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- when you're collecting booklet paints, make sure if you're uh, that you're uh, going to collect the tab as well as the booklet paint. Mm-hmm. And also explain and, and realize that if you don't have the tab, it will be worth. It will should cost you less, and it would also not be worth the catalog value. And so an exploded. Versus unexploded is well. Whether or not a grenade lands. If if a book if you have a booklet and they creased the front cover to open it, whether they pulled the staples out or not or whatever, it's considered an exploded booklet. It's not mint. And by exploding, it just means you've opened the booklet. Yeah, exo- exactly. I but I it, it's a cool word. <laughs> that may be, but to somebody who doesn't know, it's confusing. That is true. So, yes, an ex- an unexploded booklet is a booklet that hasn't been opened. Okay, I'll do number four. Big letters versus little letters. This is like a... Uh, Alphabet five. soup? Yeah, exactly. This is like a... Five with a small a versus an eight with a capital A. Both of them are one cent stamps. One of them is a major number. It has its own listing. And the other one is a variety of the stamp above it in the book. So there, I was at, uh, we were all at Orco Expo. Well, not all of us. One of us, or three of the, the four of us were at Orco Expo. And I was sitting there and a person asked, you know, I forget what the number was. But he said, you know, it was like, a, I'm making up a number, 227A. 
and the other person said, is that a capital or is that a capital A or a small A? Because he wanted to know whether it was a major number or just a variety. And varieties are worth less, generally speaking, because they're varieties of a stamp, whereas a major number has a spot in an album. And if you have a spot in an album, everybody needs to fill that spot. So there's more demand for it if it has a spot in an album than if it doesn't. True. And of course, we can take issue with that all we want, but uh, that's for another podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to take the last one? Sure, I'll take Actually, the last one. Actually, it's not a last one because we have a bonus one after this. Well, I thought the bonus one we already had. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, horizontal and vertical coils. Horizontal coils have vertical perfs. <laughs> vertical coils have horizontal perfs. It's yes. the direction that the coil ran as a whole, not the direction of the perforations mm-hmm. on the stamp. Yes. Yep. And I think a lot of people, whether it's in the catalog or just they look at it and they see vertical perfs and they go, it's a vertical coil because it's perforated vertically. And it's like, no, that's a horizontal coil. Well, if you have a pair you can figure it out, but if you have a single, it's where the straight edges. And, yeah, and hard. you don't know. Yeah, it's where the straight well, edges and it, are. But it's hard sometimes because the way the catalog does it is they'll list horizontal coils, and it's at the very, very top of the first listing, and then you may have, you know, a whole bunch of denominations below that, oh, yeah. and different perf styles. It'll you know it'll be like eight and a half vertical and ten ver- you know ten vertical and this vertical and that vertical and watermarked. But if you don't go, so you see it and you all, you see all these and you go, oh, it's perf 10 vertically. These are all vertical coils, but it's like, okay, two pages over middle column, halfway down, there's the column heading that says, these are the horizontal coils. (laughs) It's like, holy cow, man. Well, I have a story about that. It's not with the coil, but with, with a normal stamp, a person brought in a stamp collection to have it evaluated and it had three number 65s. Now, 65 is the three-cent stamp that was during the Civil War. It's worth, I think catalog's about a buck and a quarter, but realistically, it's worth about a quarter. But if you look in the catalog, you go to the catalog and you see the picture. And you see right underneath the picture, it says three-cent stamp, and then it's got some other stuff. And it says it's worth 800 bucks. And... You know, so they say, well, we got three of them. That means that these three stamps were $2,400. And I'm sitting here going, no, your whole collection is worth 100 bucks." And they think, no, you're a crook. These three stamps are worth 100 And it's like, I don't want to teach you stamp collecting. Have a nice day. Get a second opinion. But that's one where, you know, and it comes up all the time. It, the same thing with the three cent 1857 st- stamp. You see the three cent stamp. It's right there. It matches the picture. Sure, the color is a little different. Who cares? You go right under. <laughs> yeah. You go Who cares? right. The catalog go, does. The you devil's go, in the color. Yeah, isn't you, it? you go right underneath it, and it says three cent stamp with Washington on it. That's it. And you look over. It's worth one hundred thirty five dollars. It's like, uh, or excuse me, two hundred ten now. It's worth two hundred ten dollars. And go no, you have to go three quarters of a page over and then read this one over here and you'll see it's worth 15 bucks. So that's a, that's a tough one too. I I think a lot of people, when they, they have a stamp, they, they look 
and when they find the most, if they don't know, they find the most expensive one. I go, that must be the one I have. Well, <laughs> well that's the five ninety four. The, the pro, uh, one of the problems is a lot of times the more expensive stamps are listed earlier in the catalog. Yeah. So they just, like you said, they go and they find the picture, and okay, that's the listing right there, and so that's the one they take. But not five ninety four. I know. You look at five ninety four, and you see five ninety six is the one you're or five ninety six. Sorry, you see number five ninety six, and it's like, oh. There is the one cent Franklin stamp, and I look right below it, and you get number five, well, th- you, you five s- twenty-seven, twenty, whatever it is. Th- that's actually different because people don't actually look through the catalog and do that. They do an online search, and so what do they find? Sells at auction, oh. a five ninety-six. <laughs> well, my stamp looks like that, so it must be a five ninety-six. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's how they come up with the five ninety six because otherwise five ninety six is buried in the catalog with no picture next to it. Yeah, and if you're just flipping through, you would never notice it. Well, I know that there was a clickbait picture on uh, uh, I forget what what the um, it was one of the clickbait guys, and it showed that one cent stamp, and it said you can buy a house with this stamp, and it's true. The problem is, is that they literally printed, I think, three and a half billion of them that all look basically the same. They all look the same. Uh, unless you have a discerning eye. Yes. Unless you're a stamp collector, they all look the same. And so you go and you say, oh, my God, look at this. In my scrap album, I have this stamp from Aunt Mildred when she went to Coney Island. Or Aunt- six of them. Well, yes. see, <laughs> see, that's yes. the thing. If you have six of them. Then you go, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. But if not everybody does. <laughs> yeah, but if you only have one, then you got a problem because you go, oh, I won the lottery here. And I know I've said that story before, but th- that. Yeah, but if you have six, you've won the Powerball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't won the Powerball, you ought to be playing. Yeah. So any other? Oh, yeah, I I have one. Um, it's a little pet peeve and i understand it's kind of obscure it's in the they're in the back of the book the listing for specimen stamps Mm. um and the the most frequent ones that you see are like the official stamps with the specimen overprint okay a lot of times you'll see them identified with not only the scott number but then they'll tack on the overprint type to the scott number and this is not correct so a lot of times you'll see O35SD. Well, D is not part of the catalog number. It's just O35S. The D is actually overprint type D, indicating that it's the upper and lower case, mm-hmm. or the, the tall and small, all capitals. You know. And when you look through that section, you'll see the different types of overprint. and uh, The sizes, the colors, the... Right, but it but Font. The, the D is actually just like the uh, design number in other parts of the catalog, like an A140. Well, it's next to the catalog number, but it's not part of the catalog number. Well, it's like when you go into some of the, the catalogs in um, like the British Commonwealth and you have a listing of all the uh, watermarks. Mm-hmm. And all the water, you have a whole list of watermarks and they all have their own... Number. Yes. I say that only because U.S. really only has three. Yeah. Single line, double line, and then 
double, USIR, double, double line, line USIR revenue. revenue. No, you got four. You also have the one that you can't see. Oh, yes, that's true. They call it unwatermark, but it's actually the invisible watermark variety. Uh, for another t- podcast, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I have a bonus unless, one that I was... Uh, unless you get into the envelope and wrapper section. Oh, There's yeah. a whole bunch of watermarks that is in true. there. That, that is, is true. true. That is true. I have one that I w- was on the phone with a guy today, and uh, he found a stamp that had a different color than the one listed in the catalog. Okay. And I was discussing with him that there are whole bunches of colors that aren't listed in the catalog. And pe- there are a, there are rare colors of stamps. There are rare, rare color varieties where there may only be 10 of them that exist. The problem is that there is a whole bunch of those rare varieties. You know, you may have two or 300, like U.S. number 11s. There's like 100 different rare varieties. You can't list 100 different rare varieties in the book. It would... You know, it would you, boggle you, the mind. You you can. It would just make it... Valueless. <laughs> uh, unusable. Yeah. Oh, which, which rare color variety is this stamp? And then, of course, you know, they have, well, our favorite, me and Tom were doing this yesterday, Pigeon Blood Pink. <laughs> and I happen to know that Pigeon Blood Pink is in the Ridgeway as... Deep rhodonite. And if you type in rhodonite. You mean you didn't go out and kill a pigeon? (laughs) (laughs) If you pull deep rhodonite up on your computer, and it'll give you some rhodonite. Rhodonite is a crystal. It's a colored stone. But you'll get some. You'll get some what? Mineral. Mineral. Oh, I'm sorry. Mineral. And it's pink. It's kind of pinkish. It's pink. Rhodonite, the color of pigeon blood pink. If you picked up, if you picked up a crystal of rhodonite, and you looked at it, and you had no idea about colors, you wouldn't say this is green. You would say this is pink. No, you wouldn't. You'd say it's red. Mauve. Yes, <laughs> mauve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get it well, right. Only if you're a woman. Well, <laughs> or a stamp collector. The fact is, is that pigeon blood pink is or a rock hound isn't really pink. It's more like a yeah, more like a mauveish, reddish light. Yeah. Pinkish, so I mean, there's a pinkish sort of tint yeah. to it, but it's not pink. Yeah, and and the testing that they did, it was last year, or the year before, right? They, the XRFs. They basically proved that it's the exact same ink composition as uh, a regular pink. It's there's mm-hmm. just more of it. Right. Well, that's the uh, in whites. So color should guide. so should it really be a listed shade? It's got a cool name. How can you not list pigeon blood pink? So why don't you delist it and just call all of them pigeon blood pink? <laughs> well, no. I, what I want to do is... Then they all have a cool name. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like US number 11 has plum. Even though it looks like no plum that I have ever seen. Oh, I've seen plums that look like that. Really? Yeah, they're usually pretty rotten. But oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From, yeah. Those are raisins. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I describe it to people, I go, have you ever been to the beach? You know when the wave goes over the sand and then it comes out? So you have that wet beach sand? That wet beach sand color, that's the color of plum. Like I said, not a healthy plum. No, not at all. And I should have said prunes, not raisins. Yes. Yeah, right. Wrong yes, fruit. You uh, 
So yeah, what no we, cash is correction for Tom. Uh, <laughs> so if you have a rare color variety and you want it to be valuable, you got to come up with a good name, like a Lake. Truscan Lake, Carmen Lake, Carmen Lake. Yeah, that that's one that caught on. That you know, if, well, I hope everybody, <laughs> I hope everybody has purchased the Book of Secrets. Is has if you haven't purchased the Book of Secrets. Send 10 bucks, get the Book of Secrets. We have this whole thing on lake, how lake is not a color, it's a process. Is that in one or two? Uh, Two. I think it's actually in both, but I know it's in two. I know it's in two. Book of Secrets, too. That's where we get really dug into color, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, the next Book of Secrets, I want to go all into color. I want to have all these color varieties explained with color samples and stuff like that. Well, Well, you better get working at it. Oh, I'm 90% done with it here's one of the the confusing things to me on the minor letters since we've kind of gotten into that um i'll take for example e12 okay which is what gray violet that's a yes postage due 10 cent stamp <clears throat> so well well calvin well, duh fluorescent <laughs> we're all gonna we're all gonna look green we're all gonna look like Scott looks anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Scott will look perfectly healthy. Yeah, everybody on the podcast can't see. I'll turn the microphone toward Calvin here, so everybody can see he's taking pictures. So we will be able to have actual good pictures of us on the website finally. Well, we'll have pictures. Well, well, we'll have pictures of who's actually currently on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, right. Jessica and Jeff, you guys are great. If you're still listening, you're fantastic. But. You're not going to be on. You're the, not participating. You're not participating. You haven't been here in a year. Skype. <laughs> and hey, if you are listening, Skype works. There you go. Yeah, That's we can right. Skype you in and you can absolutely be on the podcast. So he's taking pictures of us. Uh, give us a little bit and then uh, go to the website and check us out again. We'll look. We'll, yeah, give us more. Give us a few little bits. Yeah. <laughs> we'll look better. <laughs> don't, don't smile, Don. <laughs> Pretend Cash said something funny. Oh, wait, that'll just be a straight face. <laughs> I know. Yeah, last podcast, no crickets. Well, that must be because you edited it. I did. <laughs> oh, look, now he's actually posing. Now, now he's actually posing. Her. This talking, is good. And I can't hear you. You can't take her, have her take off the headphones. Now she doesn't look like she's on the podcast. I can't hear because you're all blah blah blah. He's, he's trying to pose her, and we're talking. Okay, we'll blah, shut up. Blah, we'll blah. Sh- you have to put the coaster there. That's yes. Right. We, we still have our coasters. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't heard from My, him in a while. Which, by the way, uh, Holland is now like number eight. Oh, by the way. Uh, Marcel, you better get your boys in gear yeah. and start listening. By the way, thank you, everybody. For some reason, we jumped. I, I wanted to get to 22,000 listener listens so bad, so bad. And we... Hit 22, and we went all the way almost to 24,000. So 24,000 thank yous out there. Shooting for for 25. Now we're going to 25, yeah. So now when you go to the podcast, you'll see everybody with headphones on except Dawn because she's special. Uh, Host. (laughs) Just saying. So so now that we're we're done with our You can actually reach out and touch him today. Are you sure? Oh, yes. Are you sure we're done with our picture taken, or is he going to come back in again? And I, he wants. Well, to, we're done with the portrait section. He oh, wants. Okay. He wants to do portraits later. Yeah. Oh, okay. But um, we're done with the group session. Oh, okay. 
But um, E12, great, I believe it is, gray violet. Mm -hmm. There is a shade listing underneath it that is just violet. And then there is an A and a B, which are two other shade varieties. Red violet and blue violet. You're talking about E15. Is it 15? Yeah. I knew it was one of the... I knew it was one of the two. Oh, 12 has two, I think. yeah. And I never really quite understood it until I got into a box of used stamps at a show that some guy had. You know, hey, and each stamp in here, 25 cents. And I'm like, oh, look, there's... There's a special delivery. Oh, look, there's a, there's the same one. It's totally different color. There's another one. Oh, this is a totally different color. So I bought like five of them and got like multiple quantities of the different shade varieties. And, you know, I've never quite understood why you have gray violet, violet, and then like red lilac is A. It's not just another shade variety. It now has its own letter. And then the last one I can't remember off the whole top of my head is B, and it has a letter. It's like, and there's a lot of stamps in the catalog that are like that. Some of them have, I think 10s and 11s are one of them. It's like there may be like six color listings, and then there's like five letters of different colors after that. It's mm-hmm. like, holy cow. Why do some shades have letters and some shades not have letters? Or the Four Cent Bureau issue. There are two colors one and they only list one there are two colors that are absolutely different from each other but they just list them together number 300 you have green and you have yellowish green two very distinct colors but that one i'm not certain blue green green and yellow green yeah and then you have a bunch of shades of each one well my favorite is the 11 cent uh rutherford b hayes shout out to rutherford um, Ruddy. 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 <laughs> if you're listening. If you're listening, Ruddy, uh, shout out to you. Just just turn over in your grave. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> all we ask. They list two colors. They list greenish blue and bluish green. Yes. Neither one have a subcolor. It, and in it reality, there are what? About 20 different colors? I would say more like 50. Yeah. <laughs> but... Like the I most said, desirable the whole... one isn't even listed. Yeah, the, the greatest one is like a peacock blue. It's a real blue, yeah. and they don't even list that one. But that's just it's one of the things I don't understand is why some shades get letters and some shades do not get letters. I think the number one reason is that some specialist wrote some article and discussed it and then sent it to Scott, and Scott said... There is a scholarly write-up on this color variety. We'll go ahead and put it in. Now, the problem is, is that it's now 25, 30 years later. Nobody can find the scholarly write-up, but the picture is still there. And the editor's notes are non-existent in many cases uh, because they didn't make any notes. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes, and that's why you occasionally see a note in there uh, the editors would like to see evidence of blah, blah, blah. Mm. And uh, because the, its existence has been questioned, it's because they don't have any record of it. They don't have any notes on it. They don't have any idea how it got listed or what the listing was based on. And so you do see that at various points throughout the catalog uh, as things ca- are questioned by current specialists. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were I, all lost in the fires in Alexandria. 
Yeah. Yes. I I would I would love to see and. I believe that, uh, well, I know that uh, Stanley Gibbons does this, but Scott does not. It'll have, like, instead of listing four different shades of red, it just says red parentheses shades. Yes, but when when Gibbons lists a, a, a shade variety... It's usually because there's a second or a third printing that they yeah, can actually tie right. the shade to. Uh, that's not necessarily true with Scott and the way they list their shades. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it certainly is. Um, and a good example would be uh, when they reformulated inks in the was it the seventies? Mm. Oh uh, yeah, the cancer-causing inks. When they got rid of lead. Yeah. Out of the inks, uh, and so there are some slightly different shades created by. Uh, a change in the ink formula, which tried to simulate the original shade, but kind of fell short. Yeah. Uh, so, it, at that, those kind of things, yes, absolutely, they should be minor letters because they're different. There's something absolutely, uh, objectively different about the stamp that you can verify. Now, granted, if you have a, you, you have to do testing on it to tell sometimes, which I don't think I. Well, I kind of think you've gone beyond the scope of being a normal a collector. collector yeah. Uh, However, I following up on that, you know, the Smithsonian has an XRF machine, and they are putting a lot of stamps in there and saying what colors are these. I think that over the next ten years, you're going to see a lot of colors change how they're perceived in the marketplace. I don't know whether Scott will delist them. Or what, but, you know, there are a lot of colors that are the same ink. Well, I, I think one of the reasons why the catalog is uh, very slow to either change a listing or delist something uh, is simply because there's a lot of money tied up in the oh, market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you could find other things as well as color to, to uh, that this would apply to, but... Um, you know, 476A. <laughs> you don't want to... Couldn't stay away from it, could you? <laughs> you just couldn't. <laughs> well, the the technology is a world different today than it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. But the whole point is you're, you're collecting stamps, uh, for the most part, as an enjoyment factor. Yeah. And to have to do an XRF test to determine the color of your stamp is just ridiculous well like you should be able to look at it and say oh it's a different color our motto here on the podcast we are attempting to make stamp collecting easier not more difficult absolutely and a lot of these colors the way they do it it makes stamp collecting much more difficult yes and and i think and i understand the the traditions and the and the and uh you know the naming and things like that that are not necessarily unique to philately, but definitely uh, one of the few places they're found. Yeah. Um, but like, if you would be better served if these colors were described more in today's vernacular. Yeah. Or well, my favorite example that I bring up is number sixty-three. You have blue, you have bright blue, you have deep blue, you have. Pale blue. Pale blue, and you have... Ultramarine. Ultramarine. Hold on. There's bright blue, deep blue. Dark blue. Dark blue. That's the other one. 
What's the difference between deep blue and dark blue? Yeah, exactly. What about midnight blue? Midnight blue. What they call in that your indigo? Mic- in your microphone. Midnight yeah, we're blue. professionals. John, don't 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 yell at her for it. <laughs> don't yell at me. <laughs> they call midnight blue. They call it indigo. Oh. Uh. See, you need a good name. If you if you want uh, to have a valuable color variety, you have to come up with a good name. Indigo. Well, but it's Prussian when, blue. It's when you get into things like you have deep blue, you have bright blue, and then you have deep bright blue. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. Well, it, yeah. And of course, the ubiquitous pigeon, pigeon blood, blood pink. pink. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, what color do you have? Yeah. How, how thin do you want to split these hairs? Well, when mm. they, I knew they jumped the shark when they put deep rose pink in. Uh, the number 65 category. Because it used to be you'd have rose pink as 64B. Anything enters anything ending in pink should be in the 64 category, and anything ending in rose should be in the 65 category. Well, then, they you know. put it in the wrong place. I think they did it. Uh, but, you know, there, there's such fine distinctions between we, these colors now. We are experts, okay? Everybody, we are experts. And we have to draw the line, you know, where does pink start and rose pink end? And it's difficult sometimes. There isn't, you know, you can't look at the stamp and say, well, this is clearly here. It's on a range. And where do you draw that line where you end the range? And it's really difficult sometimes. And so if we have difficulty at it, the normal collector, it's impossible. We, we don't need to get into uh, issues with the catalog. Uh, we were just talking about collector issues, interpreting the catalog. No, I, I understand. Well, but, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's a fault of the catalog. I think that the catalog does what the marketplace well, reflects. Well, but, but a lot of times the catalog will list something without bothering to even talk to the expert committees out there that are issuing certificates for these shades. Maybe in the olden days. But nowadays, if it doesn't have a certificate, they don't even consider listing it. That's not true. Um, when 832G came along, the magenta. Oh, yeah. Uh, shade of the $1 Prexy. Yeah. Uh, I contacted the guys at each of the expertizing committees, and not a single one of them had any idea what the shade was supposed to look like. Oh, interesting. So, and and then, of course, as soon as the catalog comes out, I've got 15 of them on my desk wanting certificates. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And nobody else knows. Fortunately, in that instance, I was able to contact the catalog editor and say, um, do you have anything that I can look at to base my opinion <laughs> on? <laughs> And he was kind enough to send me some uh, examples. Yeah. Well, I know for the magenta there that you're speaking of, there are a lot of early, not from the experts, but there are a lot of early stamps that were listed as magenta, which are not magenta. I mean, the the committees, both us, PF, APS, everybody, we jumped on it really quick and figured out what it was. Yeah, but but there are some, that's just one of, one recent example of a listing that that uh, just kind of blindsided everybody. Yep. Except for the people who had piles of them that wanted to get it listed. 
Well, I think we beat that to death. <laughs> I think so, too. Well, I'd like to give two shout-outs before we end. Abruptly? And Well, this is going to be a petering out section. We're going to peter out here. First one is a shout-out to Ray Lieberman with 100J. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. Anybody who doesn't subscribe to his newsletter, uh, do so. It is a very, very good newsletter. Well, you remember stuff. he was uh, with us on the podcast a right. month or two ago. Right. And uh, he ha- I, this time he has written about his visit to PSE. Yeah, so uh, mm. if you haven't subscribed to his newsletter, do so. It's free. And they're going to do they're going to do ten this year. Yeah, it's the first year they're doing ten. Second thing is that Arapex is coming up on February sixteenth through eighteenth at the Mesa Convention Center in Phoenix, Arizona. In Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be there along with everybody else. I mean, the, but uh, Arapex is one of the best West Coast shows. I love it, and I hope to see you guys there. Anything else? Then let's roll credits. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Oh my god, who the hell cares? Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today.